Welcome back to our Masterclass Moments with Dr. Joel B. Kemp. We are excited that you continue to join us. If you are new to this, we welcome you to our podcast. If you are already subscribed and this is already your thing, we thank you for doing so. Either way, new or not just old, but already part of the crew, we ask for you to share this broadcast with people. Go ahead and text it to somebody. Remind them that we're doing some good work. We're having amazing conversations, engaging pop culture, uh, Hebrew scripture, preaching, Black church religion religiosity like you want to be a part of this conversation so subscribe share text and we would love your feedback so follow us on jel.institute on ig and facebook whatever your thoughts are whatever your questions are we want to hear from you i'm your girl your niece your cousin your auntie the reverend dr dominique aisha robinson as the special host uh, or guest host uh, for the masterclass moments but let me let me tell you who i'm bringing to the virtual the digital the audio stage it is the Man, the one and only Hebrew scholar extraordinaire, law attorney, man of God, advocate, justice, you know, all that stuff, and hip hop head, the Reverend Doctor. We're adding all of it. <laughs> the minister, <laughs> Doctor Joel B. Kemp. Give it up for a whoop, whoop, whoop. And the crowd goes wild. <laughs> 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 it's good to be back with you. Doctor <laughs> Kemp, Doctor Kemp. I mean, we've been on a roll with the with the podcast and no. the live broadcast. I mean, we got a serial war going on. I don't even know if I can really call it a war because I don't see Raisin Brand really giving a battle. But you know, right. we got a little serial war going on. No, it's the whole thing. Like when. We're not the competition, we're the standard. So we don't have to we don't have to hit for that. So that's why Raisin Brand is just chilling. That's wow. my theory. That's my wow. theory. <laughs> wow, wow, wow. I, you know, y'all, some some battles, you know you, you don't even get you don't even respond back. Like you, <laughs> he just he just totally told me Raisin Brand was the standard. And I I'm not even gonna what are your our grandparents would say don't even justify some things with a response. All right, right you know, all you fruity pebble applejack folk. Don't even respond. Just leave it as it is. <laughs> Just leave it as it is. Leave that as it is. So, Dr. Kemp, I mean, before we jump into our conversation for today, which is going to be, oh, uh, man, y'all, I'm so excited about this conversation. Y'all probably will hear all of the nerd come out of both of us. If you've missed it thus far, then you weren't listening. Right. Um but we shared a bit about our, both of our kind of affinity and appreciation for Marvel comic movie or mo comics and movies. I mean, I know you probably had the actual comic books. Not, I'm not aging you. I had them as well. Yeah, it's <laughs> I had all them good. as well. It was from my, my older cousin collected them though, so I, I had them because he did. Um, so I'm sure you had both the comics and we enjoy the movies, the films. I think they're produced well. Let me first ask you: Do you have a favorite movie, Marvel movie? Yeah, my favorite right now is the Endgame from the Avengers. Uh, that just came out a couple of years ago, so that's been that's been probably my favorite right now. Why is that one of your favorite right now? Uh, again, Bible nerd moment, but I just think the way that they play with images of Thanos resurrection, which we'll get into today, I think it there's a lot of kind of rich theology baked into it. Right, um, and all of the stones, yes. you know, and their representation. And then I feel like I I'm calling his daughter prodigal because when we discovered who his mm. daughter was and right. sacrifice that's made for the... Yeah, 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 I can see that. I can see that. Okay. Do you have a favorite character? Um, it, it really just depends on, like, what day of the week you grab me. But the, the two that I go back and forth with, um, one, I enjoy The Incredible Hulk. I think there's sort of an interesting... 
kind of the scientists and the the beast in air quotes. I think that's yeah. a really interesting mix. Um, then I also really like the Black Widow. Ooh, okay. In, yeah, like in, in another world that does not exist. Uh, at one point when I was in law school, I had an opportunity to potentially uh, work for intelligence agencies. And so in the back of my mind, it would always have been an interesting life. What would have happened had, had I gone down that road? I mean, you still would be investigating texts yep. and advocating for people. Uh, so you would still be doing some very similar and interesting work. Uh, but okay, all right. right. Now, this is the question I really... What do you think about this potential second or new um, Black Panther without... Chadwick, uh, yeah. a part of this. Yeah, I mean, it's... He did it so well. Uh, and again, in some ways, I don't know that I'm fully over his passing. Like it, right, right, right. And feeling that he was still in the prime. I love to have seen what he would have done with another five, seven, ten years in that role. Mm. So at some level for me, it's almost... It's like, let it be, right? It's like when Denzel did Malcolm X. Like, I don't think anyone else needs to ever do Malcolm X ever again. Right, it, right, right. Just hold it in that moment. Right. Um, so I, I'm really torn between it. Right. Um, well, I didn't see the character. Yeah. Right. So, uh, because when Black Panther came out, it was such a rallying, unifying call for our community. I mean, it didn't matter what your faith tradition was. If you were Black, <laughs> you were y'all were attending to see this you, we were i mean the costumes for that halloween our yep. children men young boys and girls were they were black panther you know we were we were greeting each other with the wakanda cross right. arms <laughs> exactly what they said of the head nod nah, that's what we were doing so i i you know i agree with you and then as, as just being a marvel kind of fan you're like but i do want to see what's next like i want to i want to know what happens i i want to know um I want to know if somehow the breach of the world of Wakanda, um, mm. you know, with colonizers coming in right. and in, in conversation with Thanos and, and the Avengers and, the, you know, I, I need to see how all, if there's some reconciliation, right. because now we're all concerned. Is the world really coming to an end? Because right. we thought Black Panther and his people were going to save us. So what's happening? Yeah, exactly. So. Yeah, yeah. I almost feel like they do the Wakanda, almost completely flip it. And so I would almost say, like, cast a black woman as the new Black Panther. Just to completely invert it and completely reset it so that we're not trying to compare whoever the new actor is to him, but just completely reset it and let us enjoy that kind of storyline. Or let his sister take over. Yeah. 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 I mean, in that same way. All right. Well, beloved, you all, this, this, this broadcast or this podcast is dropping for you at such a wonderful time. If you are a preacher or a faith leader and you are preparing not just for Holy Week, if you are preparing for Holy Week, I encourage you to go back to our live broadcast that, um, uh, broadcast on uh, March 28th, I believe, is when we when we're yes, not live broadcast. Yeah. Yes. All right. So I encourage you to go back to the JEL Institute Facebook page and check that broadcast because we really, really went into deep conversations around preparation for sermons, Bible studies, and engagement um, of the Hebrew text, preparing for Holy Week, asking ourselves the question of like, is Jesus in the Old Testament? So go there. But today, today we're going to discuss how do you preach easter how do you preach the resurrection of jesus christ that is only explicitly documented in the new testament gospels synoptic and 
John, how do you preach Easter Sunday from the Hebrew scripture? I'm not asking, can you? My answer is yes. But the, the, right. the question, the answer, the question today is how? So Dr. Kemp, I mean, what comes to mind first are the traditions that make use of lectionaries. Uh, right. We recognize that there are more than one lectionary, beloved. We, we know where we are scholars. We understand that there are more than one lectionaries. Uh, we're taking a look at the, the what is it, the common, uh, yes. the common lectionary or what some would call the standard lectionary, um, where they give us uh, an Old Testament a scripture, a Hebrew Testament scripture, something from the Psalms, uh, right? Then something from the gospel and then something from one of the Pauline epistles is usually the formula. However, I recognize that they also oftentimes give us um, apocrypha uh, a text to take a look at as well. And so we're clear that various lectionaries come together uh, and around this time, because of the formula or standard uh, formatting that they use, they offer Hebrew scriptures to put in conversation with the New Testament scriptures already. So then the question is, how do we take these scriptures and put them in conversation? And today, Dr. Kemp and I are going to discuss how we specifically look at Hebrew scriptures. We already know the story. We know the Holy Week Passion story. We, we know he's been riding on a donkey. Hallelujah. We know they're going to throw the clothes down. They're going to say, you know, Hosanna in the highest, crucify him. We, we know Pontius Pilate, wash your hand. We know the story. Y'all catch that on Good Friday services. But the question is, once we get to Jesus got up, <laughs> and in, in those, in those uh, like in the Episcopalian tradition, when you could finally say hallelujah, since you couldn't right. say hallelujah all of the Lenten season, how do we do this with Hebrew scriptures, Dr. Kemp? Tell us, talk to us. Yeah, I think the first thing to do, as you said, like we know the story from the Gospels, right? But what the Hebrew Bible gives us is a way to talk about the themes and significance of the story. Okay, right? what, so what, like what themes... What themes or significance, other than he got up, should we be paying attention to? <laughs> yeah, so part of what what the Hebrew Bible does is it allows us to think about death in the way that the Apostle Paul will eventually do it, which is to say that death is kind of an enemy of God. And so part of what Easter represents is God's final conquest of that ultimate enemy of death. Whoa, 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 whoa. Death is an enemy of God. Yes, right. So in the ancient Near East, a lot of the ancient deities, there was a deity of death. Wow. Right. And so whether or not you want to do Thanos, going back to our kind of original Marvel conversation or some of the gods that we may know from Greek and Norse mythology, um, there's a sense in which the forces of life and death are at war. Okay. And part of the ultimate God's power is does that God have the power to control death? To, mm. As Paul says, death wears your victory or grave wears your sting, right? He's playing with that tradition that we see preserved in the Hebrew Bible. So ancient, say, tell us what it is, ancient Near Eastern. Yeah, or... ancient Near Eastern. So that's a, I'll give you a little racialized moment there because I think it, it's necessary, right? So the ancient Near East is sort of the, context both geographically and temporally for the Hebrew Bible. Okay. So you'll sometimes hear other scholars talk about kind of the African Asian world, mm -hmm. right? Which is a way of naming that the Hebrew Bible and the vast majority of the New Testament take place on the continent of Africa and the continent of Asia. Now, can you say that for the people again in the back who keep giving us a a, a light light skinned blue eyed blonde hair Jesus? Where 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 right. does much of 
you said, did you say the Bible or you said Hebrew scripture? Where does much of it take place? Yeah, much of the Hebrew Bible and much of the New Testament uh-huh. takes place on the continent of Africa and the continent of Asia. People of color. Absolutely, right? So Wakanda forever is closer to the biblical narrative than, you know, the Born trilogy. My, my, my. Okay. I just, I, right. you know, I just wanted the people of God to hear right. the and, truth. All right. So, so... In that culture, where 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 we find many of the narratives, the happenings, you know, uh, of the Hebrew scripture, have you know, taking place, you're saying there were these beliefs, or still are, right? Beliefs of these other gods, right, that are existing, right. and there was a deity of death, right, that, that was death. seen as an enemy to Yahweh. Yes, right. So the traditions that Yahweh, the proper name for the God of Israel. And so we see kind of the connection to various traditions like um, Canaanite gods, Mesopotamian gods, et cetera. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And often in that, there is a god who's responsible for death or seems to have particular powers. And so and there's like, something about the, if, if, now I'm being preachy, but there's something about how we, when we believe in Yahweh, the difference and the distinction in our God is that our God has overcome death. That's at least what we're believing. And then... Right in our kind of formation of that, God overcomes death through Jesus Christ. Yes. Therefore, look, look, therefore, y'all hear me, the preacher saying, <laughs> and, and I contend, I, I submit to you. Therefore, you're saying, or we are saying that when we're taking a look at the Hebrew scriptures, we are finding that if we're looking at the themes or key pieces, that really we're looking at the theme of overcoming death, and we can find that in the Hebrew scripture. Absolutely, absolutely. Ah, right. saints, don't you get up there talking about, oh, death, where's your sting, until you really break this thing down, because what, like you talking, some of us have been talking about death as the actual um, process of one's life coming to an end, but it really might be a deity uh, that we are addressing. And for for the people who know, I've been dipped in sanctified holiness tradition as a Mm -hmm. child. And so now it's one of those, because I do say when I get up to preach, (laughs) I do say, you know, and as life and death wrestled over us last night, we thank God that life won one more time. And I, you know, this, this idea concept that, that death is a spirit or being that does move about the earth um and with the permission of Yahweh right can yeah, I, man we y'all better preach as if you were in the grave on Easter on Easter <laughs> I want you to preach like you were a witness inside the cave when Jesus got up <laughs> right exactly and I think one of the beautiful things right if we understand kind of the African and Asian nature or Africa Afro-Asiatic as some scholars were talking about Afro-Asiatic. That wasn't even Greek, but you helped the people. <laughs> I'm going to tell the people. In my Afro-Asiatic... What, say it again for the people of God. Said Afro-Asiatic Bible, right? <laughs> Can I say my Afro-Asiatic imagination? Yes. And that's that to me is one of the beauties of the best of African-American Christian traditions, right? That we, despite all of the horrors of state-sponsored human trafficking that we call slavery. Ooh. We've retained some of that kind of African, Asian, ancient Near Eastern root. And so a lot of the traditions we hear in, in black churches, right, about kind of angels of death, angels of life mm-hmm. resting over us, right? My bed wasn't my cooling board. Those oh. kinds of old school things, right? That That's <laughs> part of our ancestors passing on those traditions. 
Yeah. And that tradition is rooted firmly in the Hebrew Bible. My mind. So to summon that in our understanding of Christ, I think is is needed for kind of the true power of the resurrection to to impact us. Okay. So that and that's just one of the themes. What other themes or key thoughts should we be considering when we are, like you said, approaching the same old, very familiar story, uh, but looking for parallels and connections to Hebrew scripture? Yeah. So one thing we talked about was kind of swallowing up of death. Mm-hmm. The second one for me is what's the point of resurrection, right? That part of its purpose is to demonstrate that not only has God conquered death, but death never severs relationships. And so as a result of this kind of death, never severing relationships, then we're in a position where we can always have this hope, right? This expectation of of a grand reunion, Ooh. right? The world's largest family reunion is part of what Easter guarantees for us. And so we will see throughout the Hebrew Bible, this image of what some scholars call like a messianic banquet or eschatological mm. banquet, which is this idea where all of these nations and peoples gather together before kind of the greatest spread you can imagine, right? This is, so this is Sunday at Big Mama's house. I was going to say, this is a family reunion cookout. Absolutely. With okay. all the food, right? So we're <laughs> and no raisins about... and potato salad. No raisins. Oh, well, salad. ain't no raisin bran either since we talking about <laughs> <laughs> Now you went too far. Because we all know if y'all go to a family cookout, ain't nobody getting up and cooking breakfast the next day. You're going to have to eat whatever we grilled right. and cooked out yesterday or you eating raisin bran. So <laughs> so the, the themes that we are looking at is the, one, the, the swallowing up of death and, and really nuancing that and understanding kind of really the complexities around death and the cultures in which cultures in which this has been birthed or come to. And then, as you said, the purpose and point of resurrection beyond he got up, but this right. anticipatory hope in the fact that there is still community and family Absolutely. despite death, because death does not sever relationships. And I, I, yeah. I'm telling you, I don't think, um, I don't think people, I don't think people understand salvation well, recognizing that it is beyond forgiveness and redemption, uh, that it really is also about establishing, maintaining healthy community. And I, and I, that's, so that's just where I am. I, I feel like we don't, I feel like we don't give it enough credence. And I don't just mean the called out church, ecclesia, the ecclesia, right? Or ecclesia, however we pronounce that. Um, I think that we don't give the accountability of maintaining relationships despite death, flaws, issues. I don't think we give that enough credence when we consider and talk about salvation. It is a personal relationship, but it does not make it individual that we are still supposed to be in community. So, okay. All right. So we got swallowing up of death. We got um, the purpose or a purpose. So I know people will argue, we're talking about one of the purposes of resurrection. Is there another kind of theme or point you want us to, to keep in the front of our mind when we start looking at Hebrew scriptures and connecting it to the grand old story of the death of Jesus Christ? Right. I think the distinction you drew, which I really liked of personal does not mean private is that that's part of the other piece of it, right? That resurrection, as much as it is about individual salvation, it is also about a new way of imagining community. Mm. It's a new way of understanding, right? If, if God sent Christ to kind of inaugurate the kingdom of heaven, mm. 
then the resurrection is kind of that definitive mark in history. It says the kingdom of heaven has started to arrive. Mm. And so what does it mean to be a kingdom people? Mm. Um, and so there's a, a minister who died a number of years ago, uh, Dr. Miles Monroe, uh, who spent a lot of time talking about the kingdom and being a kingdom person. Yeah. And so again, with like with all ministers, all preachers, all scholars, you don't agree with everything they say. Um, that's why they're not your God. <laughs> um, but the, I think the truth that he had that is just so powerful for me is this notion of what does it mean to be a kingdom citizen and what does it mean mm. to frame our salvation within the context of kingdom citizenship. Mm. Um, and so some of what resurrection means is this idea of God's kingdom coming in, in, in greater waves and greater realities and greater kind of tangible expressions. Mm. Um, and that we see flooding the narratives of the Hebrew Bible. <laughs> my, my. And this is a whole shameless plug. Beloved, if you want to hear how I emphasize community around the resurrection, tune in a good Friday at Trinity, <laughs> Trinity UCC. I'm one of the preachers for Seven Last Sayings. And I've, I'm telling y'all, I really am taking seriously this, this concept and idea of community in connection to um, the resurrection of Jesus Christ and our responsibility as, uh, you know, attempting to be uh, as it is uh, in heaven, uh, you know, here on earth in this community. So Dr. Kemp, as we keep these in mind, what particular Hebrew scriptures uh, have you identified that are that can be in direct conversation with any of the gospel accounts of uh, the resurrection? Right, yeah, and so as we mentioned, earlier on, kind of the so-called revised common lectionary, which mm -hmm. is the sort of standard one in air quotes that gets used, <clears throat> they often pair kind of Easter Sunday, then the next Sunday after Easter with a uh, passage in Isaiah. So Isaiah chapter 25. Okay. Um, so Isaiah 25, in particular, verses six through nine, mm -hmm. um, you'll often see those appear in some of the lectionary texts. Um, so, you know, 10 seconds of background. So Isaiah chapters 24 through 27 are often called the Isaiah Apocalypse, okay. um, which is a, a fancy way of saying this is a revelation that God gives Isaiah. Um, and it tends to be understood as what things look like at the end of time. Mm -hmm. right, so again, not to do shameless plugs for Marvel, right? But the last two Marvel movies were about the end of time, right? For so sure. that, right? So that's technically eschatology, but mm -hmm. the revelation of it is what's called apocalypse. People um, of God, that... you just got some really deep theology terms right here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Isaiah 25, verse 6 begins with this beautiful picture of a feast, mm -hmm. right? Where the Lord of hosts, and we talked about before the the phrase there of Adonat Savayot means the Lord of hosts, the Lord of the army. Dr. King, you've got to, to say down. you've got to say the Lord of hosts again. Slower. This is the it's the Hebrew. The people of God, they, they want to record this so they can repeat it now when they get up. So you got to All say right. it slower. The Lord of hosts. <laughs> right. So the word that for Lord is Adonai. And then the word for hosts or army is Savaot. 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 And yes. which one goes first again now? <laughs> the Lord. So Adonai Savaot. Okay. 
the people Lord of God of thought you were speaking in tongue, and I need to remind them that they are here <laughs> right. for Hebrew. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> if I slip in the tongues, it'll be, it won't be Hebrew. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so Adonat Savayot, right? The Lord of hosts. Mm-hmm. And then what, what's fascinating here is you have this image of a great kind of military leader who then in turns into an iron chef and creates this massive feast for people. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, this is dangerous, but I'll say it. God includes wine in the feast. I see. Aged wine, which means... Right. The good stuff. Yes. <laughs> right. So God's God's not cheap when it comes to this feast. Come on here. Uh-huh. Right. And so for me, I, you know, I share this in a, another context that this idea of a family reunion and a great feast, right, takes on added significance in the middle of this pandemic when for so long we weren't able to gather together. My, my. And it definitely says, I mean, I'm looking at the, I'm looking at the, oh, new international version instead of in RSV, but it definitely says rich food for all peoples. Yes. Okay. Exactly. So that, as you were describing in the sermon you'll be giving at Trinity, right, about the community, like it's all people. It's not just the nation of Israel. It's everyone. Mm -hmm. Um, And so you have this like beautiful feast, right? One of the purposes of resurrection. My, my. Right. Then in verse seven, you get th- this kind of play in seven and eight on this image of swallowing or eating. Mm-hmm. Right. So you're playing with this image of what do you do at a feast? Will you eat? You drink, you swallow. Then in verse eight, you get the phrase roughly translated, and he referring to the Lord of hosts will swallow up death forever. Right. And so this image of swallowing up death forever that's part of how christians how we understand the purpose and power of christ's resurrection right it is forgive the pun a death nail to death Hmm. so i see in uh the niv now Mm -hmm. do you help us with translation I, i have since moved to nrsv just so i can be appropriate but it instead of it talking about it talks about removing a disgrace. Should we be connecting disgrace to, to death? Oh, in uh, verse eight. Yeah. Is that what we're talking about where he says, yeah. So part of what happens in verse eight, right? So the swallowing up of death, then God kind of uh, wiping away tears, uh, and then the shame or reproach or dismay of, of his people, right? That's part of, for me, what, what Easter means if we take time to be in the historical context. Okay. Right. So if I'm a follower of Jesus in 33, roughly CE, uh-huh. New Testament scholars argue over the dates of that. And I uh-huh. defer to them to, <laughs> to work that out. <laughs> yeah. That's, 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 that's amongst y'all. Right. Right. As of good Friday, everything you have believed in is a lie. Right. Because you have been fought, pledging yourself to this guy who claims to be somehow meaningfully connected to God, who is here to inaugurate this kingdom. And then he dies the most humiliating, embarrassing death that Rome knows. Ah, okay. Okay. And so there, there would be shame. There would be reproach because from, you know, good Friday into early Sunday morning, you are a fraud. 
<laughs> and 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 just while we're saying this, people of God, I have wrestled with this three day count between Friday and Sunday. I know it ain't nobody. We ain't talking about that right now. We will defer to the New Testament scholars, but I'm trying to figure out if he died. Oh yes, he died on Friday. I don't know how early Sunday morning equals three days. I feel like it should be early Monday morning, but that's neither here nor there. That's just the Dominique is confused on the three days. And even though I'm confused, I want you to know if you ever hear me preach, I'm going to say early Sunday morning, people of God, just because. But okay, so you're a fraud. So this disgrace is, in some ways, you have made this very public relationship on Facebook. Everybody has known that y'all been together. And then... Then it changes, it shifts. You stop posting all of a sudden, and now right. we're looking at you saying, "Ah, oh, what, what, what happened?" And you don't want to answer that question because you don't really know. Living in right. that time, you you don't you don't know. You have pledged. You have walked away from family, walked away mm-hmm. from employment to follow this man named Jesus, who said he was the Messiah. You've witnessed these these miracles, right? And now this, I'm gonna say this Negro, this Negro done <laughs> died. Right. Ain't leave no note on the napkins or nothing. Only the disciples have heard him share that he was going to go, but they didn't even believe it or know what he meant. And so the disgrace is not around death, but it is around my public commitment to something, someone larger than me that I mm-hmm. can't logically explain. Right. Now, to me, that's faith, but I get it. Right. Absolutely. Right. And we see kind of that sense of shame or reproach in Luke's gospel where he meets the two individuals on the road to Emmaus and they talked about we had hoped for these things we had longed for these things and so that right and that's part of how I Isaiah 25 takes it right that in verse 9 right so we Mm -hmm. have this reproach of the people Mm -hmm. and that God will take that away then it ends in verse 9 that we have waited for him referring to our God that he might save us Mm -hmm. we have waited for him let us be glad and rejoice in his salvation Right. And so this whole idea of shame and hope can't go together. That one yeah. has to win. And shame so, and hope can't go together. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Right. Within this context, right? Because part of the shame comes in this idea, at least in Isaiah's framework, that the shame is a result of the relationship failing, of God not doing what we thought God would do. Mm. And so Easter then becomes a way, if we frame it within this Isaiah narrative, that we waited those days, and now Christ is back with us. And we're having this feast and celebration of it. Absolutely. And so I think, again, this doesn't give you, you know, a blow-by-blow account that you'll get in Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. Mm -hmm. But if you understand that account and overlay it with the theology in the context of Isaiah— I think you can you can get him out the tomb just as powerfully, just as meaningfully from Isaiah as you could from one of the sort of synoptic gospels or John. Yeah. Man, and that's a lot just in this Isaiah text from three verses. But there there's another Isaiah text that often is put in conversation with the with the New Testament text as well, right? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, which one yes. is that? Which one is so that? The other one that you often see, in, again, kind of in the revised sort of common lectionary, mm-hmm. is you often see Isaiah chapter 65. Okay. Um, so Isaiah 65, uh, in particular, starting in verse 17. So I'll, I'll pause for a moment, folk, to flip to it or scroll to it. 
since people don't carry Bibles as much in church anymore. No, I'm typing it in. And I'm going to go ahead and say amen because I'm there because I know the preacher say when you have it, say amen. Right. Amen. I'm there. Seven, right. Verse 17. Exactly. Sorry. So 17 really through 25 is where uh, you'll get okay. the, those nine verses inclusive is where you'll get a lot of text. And it says to me in, in bold in print, it says the glorious new creation. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> and exactly. And and is not resurrection the first uh, example of a new creation? Dr. Kemp, what you cannot do with a preacher who is excited, because I see Good Friday and Easter as the, the Super Bowl of black Christendom. Mm -hmm. it, it is, don't say, is it not? And don't think <laughs> I won't get happy. Because as soon as you said, is it not? I felt something. But anyway, go ahead. Is it not <laughs> the resurrection? Right, you felt that in your Shana, right? <laughs> right. So, you know, this image of God in verse 17, right? Creating these new heavens, this new earth, right? Again, the, the writer of Isaiah is using language we've seen in Genesis. So he's mm -hmm. literally using the same words, same mm -hmm. order. Mm -hmm. um, and again, for those New Testament scholars, right? You'll recognize Isaiah 65 is also what you see in Revelation. God says, we hold, I create a new heaven and a new earth. It's the My same mind. language. Mm -hmm. um, and so again, resurrection is as, as a new creation. Um, and what's striking, at least from Hebrew Bible perspective, is the second half of verse 17, where it talks about not remembering what came before. Mm. Um, and in the Hebrew Bible, and continues in parts of the uh, Greek New Testament as well, there's always an emphasis on remembering and what are the connections to what God has done before. But here there almost is this disjunction, this break from the past mm -hmm. where the former things aren't even remembered or even some translations will put come to mind. Mm. And, and literally it's the Hebrew there is to kind of be upon your heart is really what that, that last phrase means. Mm -hmm. um, so you see some of this idea, right? And so in, I would argue, and this, this, this may be, you know, this may be Brother Joel, not Dr. Kemp. So <laughs> 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 that part of this idea of not remembering is not that God wants us to forget, but God doesn't want us to be bound by the sting of our pasts, right? And so for this community in Isaiah, right, they've just lived through exile. They've mm -hmm. just lived through the hell literally of imperial domination and god is saying in this new day when all is restored don't don't even let that rest on your hearts mm. um, and i think there's there's power in that part of easter being emphasized through isaiah yeah oh okay is, is there anything else from from this passage i mean that's that's already great preaching not fodder, content. Um, right. Is there anything else from this passage you want us to, to pay attention to, like Isaiah 65? Yeah, yeah there are two last things as our, as our time winds down. Um, in Isaiah, we get this centrality of Jerusalem. Um, and there's a sense in which Jerusalem is kind of that, the apple of God's eye, as it's mm -hmm. described in other places. Um, and I think it's important, right, when we think about the New Testament, even after the resurrection, Jesus is found and his movement is found back in Jerusalem. So there's a way in which there's a sort of a sacredness to that space um, that we don't want to ignore. 
Um, and the thing that always strikes me most about kind of the closing of these verses, right? So 20 through 25, and this ties in, I think, to your, your theme of kind of community, right? What God is describing in verses 20 through 25 is a radical new society, a new society that's built on God's promises and God's hope not being disappointing, right? So in verse 20, you get this thing and it's like, I get closer to an old man. I appreciate <laughs> that every old man fills out his days, right? And if you don't make it to 100 years old, something, they'll look at you like something's wrong, right? Um, then you get in verses 21 and 22 about building houses that others don't inhabit. Well, that's important because what is the experience of exile? You built a house and then you're driven from that land and others are now taking over what you worked for, mm. what you built. So it's not just this kind of pie in the sky, air quotes. It's a tangible new society where your work, your labor is not in vain. Mm. And that to me is something that Easter offers us is a promise that our labor is never in vain. And I think, again, we hear that in the New Testament and they're, they're building off of some of these themes that we see here in Isaiah and throughout other parts of the Hebrew Bible. Well, preachers, I just want to tell you, if you pick up on this part, your clothes ought to be amazing because if you look at this passage <laughs> in, the, in the NRSV, you can go off on they shall because they, <laughs> the they yeah. shall is every verse. And I want you to raise your tone and I want you to make sure it's they shall. I want you to shell us all the way to glory <laughs> if you decide to preach this. It's not, it's not he is risen. It's they shall and it's going to be we. So we shall. We right. shall inhabit. We shall. I, you know, I just... Right. I just want to tell you that it's the shell is where you should raise your voice. <laughs> now, Dr. Kemp, there's a third piece you wanted us to, to look at at this text, right? Yeah, just the last piece in terms of the theme we saw at the beginning of Isaiah uh, 25 about all peoples. This passage also ends with a similar acknowledgement of all people being there. Mm. But in particular, God does two things which are really profound. And for me, this is like an internal shout moment. Uh-oh. Um, so in verse 24, mm -hmm. right, it, the English translations have something to the effect like before or even while they are calling, mm -hmm. God says, I will answer. Yeah. Um, and that becomes important because in the history of the prophets, when we're describing the experience of exile, one of the things God often has the prophets tell the people, God says, I'm not listening to you as much as you want to pray and holler and do all those things, God says, I'm done listening. I've already told you what's going to happen. So stop wasting my time. Uh -huh. What this promise suggests is now, not only is God listening, God is anticipating what we need. And before we ever ask God for anything, God has already heard. And in the Hebrew, the word to hear always implies action. What is the word, Doc? It's, it's probably the most, one of the most famous Hebrew words, Shema. Shema. Shema, to hear, right? Which means to hear, to listen, to recognize. And it always, well, almost always, it's probably with some random exception that uh, someone can find, but it's almost always connected to action, mm -hmm. right? So if you hear, if you listen, then you will obey, you will follow. 
And so the idea of, is when God hears, God answers. <laughs> Y'all, I, I danced to myself. I'm back now. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But you should, if you were driving your car listening to this, you should have danced right there knowing that God, God answers. Right. And what's stunning to me and where the shout is for me is Isaiah says, even before you, you ask, God has already answered that. Um, and so that, that to me is just a profound way of thinking about prayer. Mm -hmm. uh, and then the, the final piece, which again, uh, reappears in parts of Revelation and Isaiah 65 borrows from Isaiah 11 about this image of the wolf and lamb lying down together, the lion eating straw. Um, and there's no hurt, no pain or nothing within God's presence, right? Mm -hmm. So it's this just beautiful vision of the end of all human suffering mm. and human suffering and really creation suffering, mm -hmm. right? That enemies, wolf and lambs, right? If you've never been on the farm, if you've just watched Bugs Bunny, you know, right? That wolves and lambs tend not to get along. Mm -hmm. uh, but somehow this resurrection promises us kind of a universal, you know, pan-creational peace. Yeah. And, and that to me is something that it's a challenge that we can work towards as the church of how do we bring peace and wholeness to creation as a whole. Um, mm -hmm. I think that's part of what Isaiah 65 invites us to consider. Listen, beloved, if you've been listening, you definitely um, have experienced some, some, some challenging moments of hearing text, reimagining text, putting yourself in context. This, this is what we did. This is what we, we're trying to offer you. Uh, there, there really, there's nothing else to be said. So, so Dr. Kemp, go ahead and tell the people uh, how they can connect, how they can follow, and what's coming down. Uh, is it the pipeline, like PIP or PIK? Uh, I always thought it was pipeline, but I, now, now I have doubt in my head. I have to think which one it is. Well, y'all, whatever's coming down, <laughs> right? Something's coming. So we want exactly. you to know what's happening after Jesus gets up. We want you to know what's happening with uh, just enough light. So, Doctor Kemp, let us know, and then give us our, you know, not benediction, but our final word as we conclude yeah. this podcast. Exactly. Yeah. And so, as always, I want to thank Dominique for her amazing job in hosting and leading us through the the world of Isaiah. Um, so again, this podcast we've. Every podcast drops on the first and third Monday. Uh, we continue kind of our prep for Easter. Then we'll turn a corner and get into some other items next month. But we'll, we want to just give you a teaser of that. Uh, so you can still follow us, as always, on Facebook and Instagram at JEL.Institute. Uh, we'll be some exciting things coming there. Uh, what we're looking forward to most over the summer is launching a Bible study series. We get a chance to dive in a bit more depth, in particular looking at the aspects of God's nature and the names of God and how that kind of plays with some of this imagery of God swallowing up death. We want to really unpack that more to get a sense of what the Hebrew scriptures teach us about God and how that gets transferred really into the person and work of Jesus Christ. So that'll be part of what we're doing this summer. Then at the end of April and that final Monday, as always, we'll go Mascot's Moments with Dr. Joel B. Kemp will be live once again and we'll Look forward to answering some more of your questions. So if you have them as you listen to our podcast or go on YouTube to check out the Masterclass Moment Live, hit us up with your questions. Uh, we love to spend some time addressing those and continue the conversation as we all try to grow deeper in our walks with Christ and share the, the gospel with as many who are willing to listen, to hear, and to see it. So in, in the spirit of Easter, I close with one word in Hebrew, and it's the word kum. 
the word kum. Kum in Hebrew is a word that means to arise. Um, it can also mean to stand, to get up, and to be established as erect, as to be upright. So in this season where we celebrate Christ's kum, my, my. Um, I encourage you to, to stand in the strength in which Christ stood. And we stand in that, as is always our custom, knowing that in Christ, we always have just enough light for the step we're on. Thank you for joining us, and we look forward to seeing you again on the next Masterclass Moment with Dr. Joel B. Kemp. Thank you, and God bless.